It was the end of the day, and I was tired and hungry, and I had my squirming baby girl strapped to my chest. I had waited in this long, snaking line in our neighborhood grocery store, and I had finally made it to the keypad. I swiped my card, half looking over my shoulder, bracing, but this time it went through. I was still learning at this point which stores accepted EBT cards and which didn't. The computer beeped again, prompting me, and the person working the cash register smiled gently at me. I quickly flipped to get my other card and swiped it, paying for the non-food items, and I pushed my cart out of the store. Tiny tears of relief were pricking at the corners of my eyes, even as I was still red in the face. For the first year and a half or so of my daughter's life, we were the recipients of food stamps. It was a complicated thing. It was this enormous gift, and we were beyond grateful that there was this way for there to be enough for our little family. And I quickly discovered just how many messages I had internalized about this assistance, or the handout, or the safety net, all these different ways that people refer to it. My gratitude was mingling with vulnerability every time I made my way through the grocery store. This parable, it seems to pull all these elements together. The need and the abundance and the unfairness and the jeering. Reading it again, it's no wonder that I sometimes felt that creeping shame. As I sat with the story again this week, I wondered where we locate ourselves in the story. What part uh, of the action, what, what pulls you in? What character do you find yourself identifying with? Often I think we end up standing alongside the, the indignant workers who rose before dawn and strained their backs all day under the hot sun. We're tired and we worked hard and it's not fair. I know that feeling. It makes my blood boil. I feel resentful, like something has been taken that should have been mine. I wonder, though, I wonder if part of the challenge of this parable, for parables are always meant to challenge us, to trip up our knee-jerk assumptions and, and push us to consider the world again, I wonder if the challenge of this parable is to enter in through the experience of the latecomers. What do we see when we step into that warm evening, when 
when we feel our hands now sticky after picking grapes for only an hour, our bellies hungry from how scarce food has been in our homes, our backs and feet not tired from working all day, but instead from looking for work and probably on account of age or chronic illness or any of those other things that might keep us from being hired even when we desire it. The work has finished for the day. We're called to form a line with the most recent workers at first and the ones who were hired in the morning way in the back. So we step to the front. One after another, we, we reach out to meet the hand of this manager of the vineyard, and we are confused. He's paid us far too much. It's what he would have owed us if we had been hired at dawn and we'd worked all day. And it's enough to live on for this day. I imagine a jumble of feelings, and I, I remember the combination. Gratitude, relief, sheepishness, fear, wonder. This parable introduces us to a new kind of math for the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling the disciples that no matter how compelling the market economy may be for those who end up on top, that's not how things operate in the realm that he is ushering in. It is a math that deeply frustrates some people who experience it as being unfair in the ways of the world, while others welcome it as the restoration of life. There is serious work to do in bridging that divide. But, but Jesus starts by simply bringing in this new order, insisting that there will be enough for all. It's a new math that teaches that no one earns this abundance, no matter how hard we try or when we show up. Whew. These readings, these teachings, they call me up short. The truth is that even as I have experienced how life is made possible by the generosity of community, there still remains the tug to believe that I have earned what I have, that I deserve it, that it somehow reflects on my character or my worth. It isn't surprising. This is what we're told again and again and again. And Jesus is inviting us into another way of being, a different stance in the world, a new kind of math. He's teaching this way, I think, not only because he wants everyone to have enough to live, though that is certainly important, I believe he's offering us this parable as a way for us, for all of us, to enter into a deeper and more honest relationship with God. 
He's using something as familiar as wages to point to the overwhelming gift of grace that God offers us. Grace we cannot earn, no matter how hard we work. We can't earn it because that's not how grace operates. It is not reward, not compensation, but only gift and blessing. It is good and the basis of life, and it is free to all of us. I have a hunch that this may be hard for many of us to accept, right in step with how we mistakenly, even subconsciously, associate inherent worth with net worth. We suspect that God may love us more or less based on what we do, that God rewards us or punishes us for how we live. It's deep in there, even if we may not really think that's what we believe. But that's not how grace operates. Thankfully, grace is not dependent on us, but only on this wild and mysterious generosity of God. We just receive it. If we can recognize that, if we can see how this abundant grace shows up in our lives, unearned and undeserved, how then will we live? How can we together practice this new math of the kingdom? For me, I think the answer is as straightforward as it is challenging. When I recognize this grace, when I see it for the gift that it is, I am moved to be more generous myself. When I can see and taste and really understand that there is enough, and also that it is unearned, it makes me want to hold on a little looser, share the gift a little more freely. Whether it's food or money or health or shelter or grace in any form, the more I can accept it as gift, the more I can hear the invitation to pass it on as well. One of the ways that I have chosen to practice this way is by pledging to the church community, by giving an intentional portion of my income to the work of this place each month. For me, it's, it's a way of taking stock of what I have and acknowledging that while the world says I have earned it, Jesus reminds me that it is simply God's gift that I get to steward. I try to honor that grace by passing it on, by joining you all in trying to build this corner of God's realm. What I will tell you is that year over year, this practice of stewardship is reshaping my heart and my perspective on the world. The longer I live with it, the more I find myself shedding the fear or the embarrassment of having need and noticing how it is 
replaced instead with gratitude and connection and hope. That makes me want to stretch further yet. The longer I join with others in this practice, the more I see this kingdom coming into focus in this place and this time. It is a a beautiful and remarkable truth that the math of God's kingdom insists that everyone, everyone, everyone deserves enough. And at the same time that God's grace is always far more than we can earn, no matter when we show up, no matter how hard we work. It runs contrary to so much of what we've been told. And this grace is begging for us to pick it up and share it freely, trusting that we have not earned it and that somehow when we share it, there is still enough and there is goodness for us all.